Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, if you have your Bibles, we are going to finish exactly where we started, which is Luke chapter 18. And you're saying, what? Just hang with me. All right? Bear with me. But we are going to, we've been having this, this whole concept. For those of you that had not been with us, I'm not going to re-preach the last three messages, but it's been a very simple concept. We've been in this series called A Christmas Carol, looking at, as you see in the background, this guy named Ebenezer. You know him as Scrooge. He had this partner named Marley, Jacob Marley. And it's a story that Dickens wrote, Charles Dickens. And it's been an amazing story. It's transcendent time. But in that, we've been trying to answer a question. Because here's the question that most of you have been answering during this season, right? As soon as we get close to Christmas, everybody starts bombarding you, and they ask you the same question. What is it you want for Christmas? And there's nothing wrong with that question because we want to get things that people want. But it's one of those things that depending on where you're at and where you're at in life and how your relationships are, there's a part of you that's like, I've been trying to tell you all year long. Like, I've been dropping hints all year long. And you're like, I wish you would notice. And we have, but we still, we just want to validate people. But I think there's a bigger question, because here's the thing. I want to make sure you catch this. I have said this every week, and it's something you need to literally put in your mind as a part of your substance. The reason why asking this next question is so important is because the questions that you ask will determine the answers you seek. Most people in life do not have an answer issue. Their issue is a question issue. It's not that they're not going to have the right answer given to them through God's word and through Christ. The problem is, is they're starting with the wrong question. And so we have to make sure when it comes to this life, are we asking the right question? And the other part that I tell you is not only are the questions that you ask going to determine the answers you seek, but the desires of your heart, what you want, the desires of your heart, will determine what you chase. And all of us have lived in buyer's remorse where we thought we wanted something really, really bad only to get it and get three payments in and go, I I don't want this anymore. (laughs) Can I give this back? (laughs) And so we gotta be careful, right? So here was the question, and I wanna go back to the original text. We're gonna be in Luke, and I wanna set this up to this one main question that we have gotten to and show you where it's grounded, because today I want to give you my personal answer as I've been praying for the last four weeks of what God told me as far as what do I want. Starts in verse 35 of chapter 18, and it says this, as he drew near to Jericho, he being Jesus, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out even more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, here's the question, what do you want me to do for you? This is the exact question that we asked four weeks ago. Because we said, what would it look like this Christmas is rather than trying to figure out what we want for Christmas, if we answered the question, what is it we want Jesus 
to do for us. And I said, we're going to ponder on it. We're going to think about it. And we're going to pray that God gives you an answer. And if you're like me, here's what you probably realize. I can't put it in words. Like I'd start to write down some stuff in my journal and in my quiet times writing some stuff and studying and, and talking to Amy Lou. And, talk, and I'm like, how, how, like, like, wow, that's a tough question. I was like, can you really answer that? And I realized, you know what, you can. You can answer that question if you stop long enough to ask, what is the biggest desire of your heart? What is it that you want Jesus to do in your life? And we have used a Christmas carol to help us understand. And here's where we are today. Ebenezer Scrooge, over the last three weeks, we have found out why his name was Ebenezer, and we talked about that. We found out why he became a Scrooge because of a love of his life named Bell, who left him around Christmas time because he had an issue with idolatry. And rather than chasing his girlfriend that would have been his wife and met all of his needs, he chased a gold coin. He also had his partner show up, Jacob Marley, who shows up to show him Christmas past, Christmas future, and the Christmas of today. And in the process of showing him the past, he realized where some of the hurt came from. And in showing him the future, that's where we're really going to dwell today. Because in showing him the future, Marley takes Ebenezer to his own funeral. And what the Scrooge realizes is that in the process of getting everything that he wanted, he was finding himself at the end of his life all by himself. In fact, if you were to watch any of the movies or if you were to read Dickens' book, you would see that they were talking, even his colleagues, even the other people in his town, when they heard about Scrooge's death, this fictitious thing that had taken place that he was looking into the future, he realized that all of them were saying, I wouldn't even go unless they're providing lunch. If they were providing lunch, then maybe I would go. But I wouldn't even stop what I'm doing to honor him because there's nothing about him that was honorable. And can I read for you what I wrote down in my notes? Very, very simply, here's what I wrote. When you build everything around yourself, don't be surprised when you find yourself standing alone. When you build everything around yourself, don't be surprised when you find yourself standing alone. You know, this is so intriguing to me because we can go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 and the creation of the world and the way God spoke into existence over, over these seven days, six days, and on the seventh day he took a rest. And he said he made us in his image. And, and the amazing thing is that God created all of us for one main purpose. He wanted a relationship with us. He wanted intimacy with us. He wanted to love us and to be loved. And that's the reason why during the heat of the day, he would spend time in the garden with Adam and Eve before sin had entered this world. And because we were created in his image, you know what you want more than anything? Relationships. And to be loved. And to love somebody. In fact, Ecclesiastes talks about and Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, talks about how God's put a mechanism inside of you to let you know that there's something more that will draw you to him. But yet we will try to find what it is that we're needing so much, and we miss out on this great, amazing concept that what you need more than anything is you need a relationship with God. And because your relationship with God, he's going to give you a relationship with other people. Do you know what Scrooge's biggest issue was? 
In the process of trying to chase his ultimate fulfillment, he found himself all alone and realized, without people, no matter how rich, no matter how poor, no matter how well-known or how obsolete, no matter where you are in your career, without people, life really isn't worth it. And it made me start thinking, as I was dwelling on this for the last few weeks, well, God, I look at this movie that you gave us, and I can see how Scrooge, when he was looking and actually seeing his past, and how he was seeing his future, how it changed the way he saw his present, and it changed him from what he wanted. In fact, at the end of the movie, or at the end of the book, depending on which way you want to go, depending if you want to read or watch a movie, I vote movie, we turn around and realize that a lot of his colleagues start actually calling him crazy. He has such a dramatic change in his life and a priority in his life and the way he starts valuing people, the way he starts loving people, that people think that he's literally lost his mind. And it made me realize a couple of things. And then I'm going to get to my answer. I wonder if the way we love people seems a little bit crazy. Like, I wonder if the way we treat people, not just at Christmas, but all year long, if people go, man, they, they, man, they, they kind of, you know, it's a loose cannon. Like, you should never, like, he just doesn't know. Like, you know, people, like, like I laugh, I joke around because, you know, here, here's the way I love people. And some people don't like that. You say, how do you handle that? I just go a little bit slower, right? Like, I just let them feel me out. Okay, now we're good. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know how to not love hard. Like, I just, I just, like, I love people. And I love being with people. And I love Jesus. And I love the way that he loved us. And I love the way that, like, the, the Christmas story literally is Jesus going, well, okay, I will come. And I'll be born in a manger. Like, I'll, I'll do everything on my part. I'll go to a cross. I mean, like, he's like, I'm going to give you everything you need. But Scrooge, in this process of changing, realized that his whole key was first seeing. And so before I tell you what I want, and I'll tell you at the end, I think everybody in this room, we, we have a want slash need. Like, I don't think it's the answer to our question as far as what is it we want Jesus to do in our life, but I think it's a process to getting to the answer that most of us are going to need to figure out what we want Jesus to do in our life. And you want me to tell you what the answer is? Here's the epiphany that Mickey had like three weeks. In. Like, I'm struggling. Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, like, like I, I need to have an answer. Like, how can I do a series? And, I, I, like, I don't have an answer. And I kept dwelling. I kept thinking. And I realized the answer was there the whole time. Can I give it to you? It's actually right out of God's word. When Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man responded, Lord, let me recover my sight. You may tell you the need and the want that you have before you can get to your actual want in life. Is you got to see the way Jesus sees. You know, life has a way of blinding us, doesn't it? 
Like, I'm not one of these guys to get up at Christmas. I actually don't like it. I, I can't stand it, you know. Across the United States, there's pastors in pulpits today doing a message that's something like this. We've taken Jesus out of Christmas. Jesus is blah, 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 and we've commercialized it, and it's not about Santa. And I'm like, dude, just take a breath. Like, I understand what you're trying to say. The problem is you're losing it in translation. I call it middle finger evangelism. You're so, you're so you're like, it's so offensive what you're saying, I can't hear what you're saying, you know? But the concept that's there is that we lose sight of what matters because we're staring at the wrong things. And it made me realize that my answer is a two-part answer. Lord, what do I want you to do in my life? I want you to help me see. I don't want to miss it. Like, help me see the things that are important. Help me see the things that you can do that I didn't realize you could do. Help me to, to notice the people that are worth noticing. And I'll give you a hint of what God is. I was praying and I was journaling and writing in my own personal time. I'm going to give you a little bit of my personal study time. I'm not going to give you a whole lot because it's personal. But as I was writing this, I was like, well, Lord, how will I know if they're the person that's really worth loving? And literally, as soon as I finished that question, what was spoken like in my spirit, not verbally because I'd have passed out and died right there and probably not be here this morning. But in my spirit, it's like it's real easy to recognize. They're breathing. If they're breathing, they're worth loving. If they're breathing, they're worth noticing. If they're breathing, they're worth pursuing. And I was just dwelling on that, like, like how in 47 years... Did I get to where I have like these, these blinders that have been put over my eyes that just made me not see the things that God wants in the way he looks at people? And I started thinking more about this Christmas carol again, and I thought, you know, that's the whole story of the Christmas carol, right? It's Ebenezer Scrooge seeing for the first time what he had lived but never saw. Like the answer was always there in his life. He just never took long enough to actually see it. The irony that's there, and Pastor Sam will be able to tell you, him and I don't like dialogue and talking. We're like, hey, Sam, I'm going to say this, so during worship you say this. We don't do that. It probably would be very healthy. We just don't do that. But when Pastor Sam's talking about if you look at the past and see God's faithfulness, it'll give you the ability to know that he's going to be faithful now and get you through it. That's a biblical truth. Like the reason why God has given us his word so that we can look through his word is not because, oh, it's just all these like stories. They're not just stories. This is history. This is what's taken place. Like he has done these things. And if he's done those things in the past, he will do them in today. And he'll also do it for the future. But the problem is, is we lose sight, don't we? And so... I want to backtrack, and I want to do this very, very carefully, because you guys, if you know me, know that I'm not the greatest fan of, of me time. But I want you to know that there is a time to focus on yourself. And I believe that as I was looking for this answer, I realized that I need to be careful 
Because sometimes the greatest thing that you could do is to bring your best self to the dance. And one of the ways that you can focus on yourself is this aspect of discovering this answer, to be able to see more clearly. And so I want to give you two examples of what I mean when I say focusing on yourself because bringing your best self to the dance is one of the greatest gifts you can give everybody else that's around you. The first one I just read for you, it's the blind man, right? Here's this blind man that literally is out here waiting. And I'm not going to redo all this. You can actually go to the very, very first message in this series. It was the beginning of December. And they're on their way to Jericho. And it was probably, there was two routes. There was an Old Testament biblical route. They were probably in the New Testament biblical route. So these things don't conflict. Don't think that, oh my goodness, the Bible does not contradict itself. But there was two paths that had been formed. And this blind man and his partner was there. And here's what's amazing. He approached people saying, what is going on? Because he knew something was going on, but he couldn't see it. And he didn't want to miss it. And they start rebuking him. Their rebuke was based on the fact that they felt like there was something bigger that Jesus was needing to do. But the blind man knew something that they didn't. He knew that he couldn't do all that Jesus wanted him to do until he gained his sight. Do you know what he did? He focused on himself. He made himself the biggest priority in the story. But it wasn't out of selfish ambition. It wasn't out of self-serving. It was out of the concept of knowing that there are times in your life that you have to pause and you have to redirect your own life because if you don't see things correctly, you cannot move forward. And when he does this, Jesus asks them question, what do you want me to do? You know, there's another concept that I think is really cool. It's actually in Mark. You'll see the scripture on the screen. It's Mark chapter 2, verse 27. It's actually something that God put into his creation. It's called Sabbath. You know what Sabbath is about? Sabbath is about you seeing correctly. In fact, if you look at this scripture, it's very simple. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. See, see, God didn't make you because he wanted you to worship him during Sabbath. No, he created a Sabbath so that you could be ready. Let me put it a different way. This is so good. Listen to me. Sabbath is not a rest from everything you have done. Sabbath is a rest for everything you're going to do. If you were to look at the Old Testament calendar and the way things were set up, Sabbath was not the end of the week. Sabbath was the beginning of the week. It was a time to stop, to pause, to refocus. Why? Because you knew God was going to do something major in your life this next week, and I want to not miss it. I want to make sure I can see it. That's why we believe church is such a big deal. Not because, oh my goodness, this week has been so crazy and I just, I need to go and I need to worship because if not, I'm not going to be able to get through next week. No. What this is on Sunday morning is, man, one week down, God's got something big coming up next week. I'm going to get here to get ready, to get focused, to be able to see because I don't want to miss what God has for me next week and the way my life's going to be changed. Again, focusing on who? Yourself. But for the purpose of what? Others. Here's what I wrote in my notes. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. 
Whenever you focus on yourself for the benefit of others, it's not a selfish focus. Answering the question, when is there a time to focus on myself? Whenever you focus on yourself for the benefit of others, that's not a selfish focus. See, I, I hope what you're catching is this constant theme that the reality is, is, is I believe what God wants us to do is not only to see correctly, and as we see to correctly, we're going to start having this, this word that creeps into our vocabulary called being transcendent. In other words, you've heard me put it this way. We don't live life simply for ourselves. We don't love simply for ourselves. We don't give simply for ourselves. We don't wake up and go through our day with the whole focus being me and myself. Transcendent living is waking up and saying, you know what, today is an amazing day. And at the end of this day, you know what I want to make sure of? I want to make sure at the end of this day that I didn't have this day just for myself. Why? Because if you do everything built around yourself, then don't get upset when you find yourself standing alone. So I started thinking, I was like, okay, okay, God, I, I'm catching what you're throwing. It's not that what I want you to do is to help me see, even though that's a part of it. That's more of a need, not really a want, that's a need. Lord, I need you to give me sight so I can see things because I don't know how you are, but, but my simple mind itself, I'm real good if I just know. Like the saying, knowledge is power, there's a lot of truth to that. Like I'm real good at obedience and doing what God's calling me to do when I know what it is. I will chase a real quick rabbit and rescue a lot of you men in the room. Yes, we're really great if you'll just tell us what you need us to do. Can you not see it? Help me see. <laughs> I don't see it. But just tell me. But that can't be my excuse, right? It can't be my excuse in my physical life. It can't be my excuse in my relationship life. It can't be my excuse in my spiritual life with Christ. But it can be a part of my prayer for me to say, God, will you help me to see? Because when I can see, then I can do. See, faith is great for building a relationship with Christ. But sometimes it's a real struggle if you're trying to move forward. Because it's hard to step towards things that you don't really have tangibly can put your, like, I can grab that, I can hold that. That doesn't mean you don't step out in faith. I'm just telling you that as a human, it's hard. It's hard to trust the things you don't see because the things you do see sometimes are not trustworthy. And that's what scorned you. And so look what the blind man did. Very simply, just like with Scrooge, when he was able to see in A Christmas Carol, everything changed. Watch what happens to the blind man. There's three distinct things that he does when he receives his sight. And the scripture says he does them immediately. So let's pick up in verse 42. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. And then here's what I just said. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. And then look at these three things. And he followed him, glorifying God. And the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Immediately, when God gave him sight, he responded with an action. And his action was to follow him and to glorify him. And because of what those two things did, guess what? The people around him, they saw what was going on and they glorified God as well. 
and it hit me. That's what I want. I want to see so that I can follow him and so that I can glorify him and so that others around me, because of the way I follow him and the way I glorify him, will give him praise as well. Like, that's my answer. I want to see. Not because I want to have something that I know that you don't. I want to see so that I can respond with the appropriate action of following, celebrating, or glorifying, and then watching other people in my life because of what I'm doing give him praise as well. You say, Mickey, where'd that come from? Four weeks in my office about to pull my hair out. And when I got to it, I laughed because I was like, it was there the whole time. Before the series ever hit A Christmas Carol, and I was studying this question like it was all there. The problem was is I was so caught up in trying to find the answer that I wasn't really focusing on the question, the right question, and I was missing it. And I think that's where every one of us in the room are. I think everybody in the room, even though your answer may be a little bit different, you don't have a selfish answer. You just have an answer that you know that if it happens in your life, it's going to benefit others. And you're trying to figure out, how do I make that happen? Well, can I give you something that somebody shared with me this week that I thought, Holy moly, this is good. Here's what they said. When you live life for yourself, it dies with you. When you live life for others, it lives beyond you. When you live life for yourself, it dies with you. But when you live life for others, it lives beyond you. And I thought, that's the story of Christmas. That's the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. That's the story of God's word and his example. Like Jesus, literally, God himself took the form of man in Jesus in a baby with the whole purpose to not come here, not because of something that he wanted from you, but because of something he wanted to provide for you. Like the whole purpose was to not live life simply for himself. And after his death and resurrection, he's the greatest story and truth that still lives in which we find life. And not only life, but life more abundantly. And so here's what I wrote. And then I'm done. Jesus, sorry, Jesus, I want my life to live beyond my breaths. Pastor Mickey, what is it you want Jesus to do in your life? I want my life to live beyond my breaths.
What about you? You know, there, you said, boy, there's so much to that. No, there's not. I just told you the whole thing. And can I encourage you? As we put a cap on this and, and we close Dickens' book and his story and we put Scrooge to bed and we look at how they celebrate it and all the things, can I tell you that no matter where you're at, the story of Scrooge is not a Christmas story. It's a story of conversion. And it's the same story that you can have. Like you can be known as somebody that lives life simply for themselves or you can be known as somebody that lives life for others. You can live a life that's centered around you and when you die, guess what? It will die with you. Or you can live a life that's centered around others and when you die, you will never, ever be lost from their hearts, minds, and souls. But I want to make sure I make this very clear. I don't want my life to outlive my breaths because I want them to remember Mickey. I want them to remember the conversion of Mickey. From a knucklehead kid that struggled during his teenage years, that got blessed beyond all measures with a wife that would be his partner and would change everything and they would have an amazing love story. She had zero self-control, so they had five kids. <laughs> it's going to be a long trip to Nashville now. <laughs> Why? Why do you say the things in your head sometimes? Why? I got to regroup here, guys. I'm kidding. I love you, babe. But it's one of those things that, like, I, I don't, I don't want to be known. Oh, that, that's, that's the guy, they, he's a pastor. Oh, oh, that, that was a guy, he, he, he was a dad, he, he was a, I want him to be known. Like, I don't want to be known as a pastor. I want to be known as a pastor that chased after God's own heart. I don't want to be known as a dad. I want to be known as a dad that loved his kids chasing after God's own heart. I don't want to be known as a husband. I want to be known as a husband that chased after. Like, everything that I do when it's all said and done, I want the ultimate story to be that during his life, it's like the blinders came off and he could see. And when he saw what God wanted, he ran with reckless abandonment towards it, knowing that his life was bigger than his own. What do you want? What do you want Jesus to do in your life? You say, Mickey, I can't answer that. Well, then you're never going to find the answer that you're looking for. And my prayer is that between now and Christmas morning, whether it be through this message or whether it be through these series of message, that God will give you your own personal answer. But I'm going to give you a helpful hint. At the end of it, 
you won't be the main character in your answer. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.